Hi, welcome to Coasters and Culture, the podcast for RexandTheBeast.com. This is The Beast in Central Kentucky. On the line with me is Rex in Denver, Colorado. And this is the podcast, the one and only official podcast for RexandTheBeast.com. Thanks for joining the journey with us today. We are freshly back from Halloween Horror Nights 29, our 17th consecutive year of going to the event at the Universal Orlando Resort in Florida. And so there's only one thing for us to do today, Rex, and that is talk about our experience. There's a lot to talk about. So you know what you and I have to do? We have to do this. I've got to concentrate. concentrate. I've got to concentrate. concentrate. You know, isn't it amazing, man, how we wait all year for Halloween Horror Nights to come around mm-hmm. and then it comes and it's gone so quickly. And now we have to wait a whole nother year. It's really a bummer in some ways, isn't it? Well, it's quite different than some of our friends and colleagues who live in the Orlando area that um, go multiple nights, multiple weeks. And it's just a an entire, at this point, two-month event for them. We're in a completely different situation. We go in for the last, oh, I, I guess pretty much for our entire 17-year run, we've gone in for one weekend and that's it. And that's, of course, what's happening this year as well. So it is a completely different experience. In some ways, it is a bummer because we don't get to experience the multiple levels of the houses. They clearly change. They clearly get better, sometimes worse, but usually better as the event goes along. And so that's unfortunate that we don't get to do that. However, I do believe there is a excitement and an immediacy and a importance that sort of lays on our shoulders that again some of our Orlando based friends they don't they don't have because they know they can just go again tomorrow night and then go again next week and they can go again uh, you know the next time. And, and so that makes it different and a little bit of a unique situation that we have but I'm with you I mean we get pumped up for months 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 we go 3 days 4 days it's over. Yeah. I mean, it's really difficult. And I think there's pluses and minuses on both ends. How you look at it, we go early in the year, which means there's a lot of excitement. There's the the, the breaking, you know, the cutting of the ribbon, so to speak. And we're there usually either opening weekend or the following weekend. So there's just a lot of freshness. The the characters are, are, are energetic and they're ready. But as you just said, it just makes sense. As the event progresses, they're going to fine craft their, their fine tune their craft. You know, they're going to become better at the houses. They're going to understand the dynamics better and the scares better and the timing better and so on and so forth. So, I, I either way we go, I think it's going to be a great experience. I can't imagine. Do you think we will ever do like a late October thing again? It, if we do, it seems like we're going to have to go both and. That would be the idea situation, right? We go right at the beginning in early October, and then we go in late October or, or early September, and then late October. That would be awesome if we yeah, could pull I, that off. Right. I, I do think that's the way to do it if we're going to do it. Get get kind of the bookend experience, the excitement of opening weekend or opening couple of weekends, and. and and then the equivalent excitement uh, excitement of the event closing. And so, yeah, one of these years, we're going to pull that off when our, our, life, our lives allow that to happen. Absolutely. What we want to do today then is just talk about the houses, the mazes. Uh, we're going to go through and just rank them one through 10. Obviously, we're going to have a different list, but we'll just go one, two, three, four and talk about them. Not at length, but at least give them our rankings and why we enjoy them or didn't enjoy them. We'll do the same thing with the scare zones. But what I'd like for us to do, man, is first talk about something that uh, is important to you and me, and that is food. Uh, Theme park food is something that we love, we enjoy. And so, you know, whenever we start talking about food, um, we start talking about smells. Listen, you smell something? Reality-based smells. I want to smell something that's real. I want to smell something that's real, Rex, and you and I participated in the RIP tour this year. We need to talk about that in and of itself. I mean, this could be like a four-hour podcast. You okay with that? I mean, well, you know, I'm, I've got, I've got the Mountain Dew, I've got the food. Let's go. Let's go. And so, there's two parts of reality-based smells that we want to do. One is the RIP tour, which there wasn't a lot of food, but there was food. So, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. And then also, we had the great pleasure of hooking up with our good friend Seth Kaberski, and he really recommended Monsters Cafe to us. Something that you and I have historically said, no thanks. We like going in there and looking at the atmosphere, but we've never been real fans of the food. So, we were a little surprised. 
when he said, no, 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 you need to check it out. They've changed the menu and things are actually really good now. So why, why don't we talk about that first? Monsters Cafe. We went in with a little bit of, mm, you know, okay, we'll see how it works out. But it really was radically different, wasn't it? I thought the, I thought the meal was great. It, it was quite different. We, we literally have, have eaten there, I believe, twice in, you know, 17, 18 years of going uh, to Universal with, you know, Rex and the Beast here because it's just, it's just not good. And it wasn't good. And there were better options uh, to eat. But again, since Seth told us, hey, it's changed, the menu's changed, there's some really uh, good items here. Of course, we wanted to give it a shot because we love the atmosphere. We love the concept of uh, the Monsters Cafe, and we've been in it many, many times to just check things out and not eat. Uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, and I can tell you for sure, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to go back, uh, go back uh, again next time we're in Universal Studios. Yeah, so we took a picture of our food, which was kind of funny. Um, we were led to do that by um, Seth. Do you remember what you got off the menu? This is going to be really funny if neither of us even remember what we ate and we're talking about how good the food was. It was really good. It was so good. It made absolutely no impression whatsoever what I ate. Did I have ribs? Did I have some kind of ribs? Uh, <laughs> I don't it was, remember. It, it I was, really don't remember. It was, it was great, guys. It was awesome. You we ought to really be sure. just want to you say how good sure. this was. Yeah, this is really good. Um, it, yeah, it was spectacular. Oh, okay, so I'm I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, here we go. All right. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yes. No, I had the combo. That's right. I'm looking at it as well. I had the combo and, and got two meats, and I um I, I did get I did get the ribs as one of them. Um, That's right. You got the you got the ribs and the. What was the other chicken? Because you said the chicken was a little dry. That's right. The ribs and the chicken. It was flavorful, but a slight, slightly dry. But the ribs were excellent. That is what I got. I got the uh, I got the uh, perilous pear combo. Is what I what I had. Actually, I had the perilous pear platter because I did not get the um, the little side dessert. So right, and I I got the beef brisket because. Uh, I really wanted the Brussels sprouts as well. So I got the Brussels sprouts, which was the best part, I think, of the meal. They had Brussels sprouts, and it was really, really good. I mean, they were a little bit crunchy, and they had a good taste to them. And then the brisket was really, really fantastic. The point is that the menu is so much better than it used to be. But here's the thing, you know, how would we have known that? This is the one thing I'm a little bit worried about. Maybe if you're not just there all the time, or if you're not a season pass holder, you get well. We are season pass holders, but did you ever remember getting any kind of information about the fact that the Monsters Cafe has changed their menu and that things are better now, and you got to come in and try the new food? Or was that there and we just didn't pay any attention because we never liked it, or did we just miss that? Or how are we supposed to know without Seth Kaberski, you know, giving us a personal tour of the cafe? Yeah, I, I do. I do have a vague recollection that in one of my universal annual pass holder emails that they did uh, talk about it. And honestly, I just batted it aside uh, and thought, you know, they're trying, but uh, I'm not interested because, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes once you have a, a negative taste in your mouth, no pun intended about something, you're not too excited about going back. And that that is the beauty of, uh, you know, being uh, being friends with Seth and others, uh, you know, that, that check out the parks the way Seth does is it's their job, you know, their goal. They go in and they check them out. They go everywhere. They And uh, so we can keep an eye on them and uh, kind of keep updated as to what's going on. Whereas when we're there, you know, once or twice a year, we have to sort of pick our spots. Um, but in any event, I, I am a big fan and I'm excited that Monsters Cafe is a, is a good place to eat again uh, because it certainly has not been for a while. Yeah, we had a lovely meal, and we'll, I think we'll definitely go back now that we know what the food is like. Now let's let's transition over to the RIP tour. Uh, we arrived early at the event. Well, we we arrived actually right about the time that HHN uh, opens. The gates actually open, and the RIP tour uh, means that we had a, a, a special entry. We went to guest services, and we really got there just in time. Right about the time we got there, there was a huge line that ended up forming behind us for the tour just to check in. But we got checked in, and then we were led to Cafe La Bamba, a place where you and I have never been before. I don't think we've ever been inside Cafe La Bamba, have we? I don't, think, I don't so. think so. No. And what they had was just some, basically some hors d'oeuvres, some, um, some snacks, some chips, some queso, uh, some drinks, some tea, and you could hang out 
talk to some people in your group, just get acclimated to what's going on with the tour before you actually set out and began touring the mazes. And, you know, you couldn't help but to compare this just a little bit, even though it's not fair to compare it. But the, the only other experience we've really had with something like this is not Scary Farm when we did their buffet before we went over uh, into the haunt. That was a lot more elaborate, but I think it was designed to be more elaborate. Th- this was not really designed to be a full meal. So having said that, do you think that they accomplished what they were setting out to accomplish, which was to give us some tasty treats before we went out to our mazes? What was your opinion of that? Yeah, I do think so. And I agree with you. It is not a uh, apples to apples comparison there. I think if we did the scare, scare actor dining experience that Universal has, then we would be doing a more direct comparison right. to the buffet at Not Scary Farm. Uh, but but I thought it was fine. I thought it was great. I mean, you go in um, – but you, you're able to, to get some snacks, get some chips, uh, get some other things. Like you say, hang out, get to meet your tour guide, get to meet some people in your group. Um, for the vast majority of people, although not useful to us, um, you know, get a drink or two before you head out. Um, uh, and so I, I think it, I think it worked great, actually. I, I, I thought it was fine. Nothing spectacular, but, um, but, but really, um, really a good little start to the evening, I thought. That's exactly right. It was fairly innocuous, but it was a good start. They at least have a uh, an entry point for you, something that's nice and laid out. They're thinking about the guests who have uh, participated in the tour, and bam, off you go. Our leader of our RIP tour, our tour guide, his name was Chris, and Chris is one of the trainers over at Despicable Me, the attraction during the day at Universal Studios, and uh, he was a lot of fun. Um, he I think he did a, a fantastic job. He led us well. He was wanting to do what we wanted to do. And, you know, I had a, I, I had a great time with the tour. I, I was not – I was concerned at the beginning because you and I – there's a reason it's called rexandthebeast.com is because we kind of have our own unique way of doing things. We know what works for us. We know what doesn't work for us. And so when you take one of these tours – you are somewhat attached. You're kind of tethered to whatever the tour is going to do and where they're going to go and uh, what order they're going to do things in and so on and so forth. You can't really get away from that. But it's so incredible that basically everything stops for you to get to the straight front of the line. This isn't just express pass kind of thing. You go to the very front of the line immediately with these tours. Uh, So that part of it, I thought, was well worth the money, even though we were a little bit locked in on what we were or were not going to do. But it was great for us, wasn't it, man? Because we had the very next night to do the park all over again uh, at our own pace. So it worked out perfect for us. Yeah, I mean, we scheduled it that way, knowing that was going to be the case and uh, wanting to make sure we had our own flow and our own structure the next night. And and it did work out great. And it was really a lot of fun and something, uh, you know, I highly recommend if you feel like shelling out uh, the extra dough for it. I mean, it's not cheap, but for what you get and the value, the value is clearly there. Um, and when you compare the value versus the cost, uh, obviously value versus cost doesn't mean it's affordable, doesn't mean it's it's attainable for everyone. I understand that. But for what you get, the value is clearly there. So. And, you know, Chris is, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, he, he, he certainly didn't take himself too seriously, uh, was, was joking with the group, but the line of the night by far, the line of Thursday night at Halloween Horror Nights is we were about to go into graveyard games and, uh, within graveyard games, there is a scene where some children in the cemetery have either been inhabited by evil or perhaps these children have perished at the hands of the evil. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what's going on there. And so uh, in order to prepare us for that shocking scene in Graveyard Games, um, you know, Chris, he, he was just, he was really sensitive, wasn't he, with the way he approached this and, and, and the way he laid it out for us and kind of directed us to, to what might happen. Uh, I, he, he was just really, really careful with his wording, don't you think? Oh, I think so. I don't <laughs> think you could do it any better. Um, and I mean, he, he made it very clear and we had a couple of people in the uh, – in the group that that jumped right on that and were like, "Yo, well, you know, no, no problem at all." And um, you know, lay, lay the lay the line on them here. Right? What Chris told us, there, Beast. Yeah. So I mean, I guess let's just go ahead and let it. Here, here's here's what Chris told us, preparing us for graveyard games. He just looks at the group as we're all huddled up, and he says, "Anybody have problem with dead babies?" 
anybody have a problem with dead babies? And then, and, then, kind of, and, and then he finishes it up with, okay, so we're all okay with dead babies. We're all okay with dead baby. Okay, that's right. Yeah, we're all okay with dead babies. And then he mentions the dead dog that's in depths of fear, and everybody freaks out, right, about the dead well, dog. Well the, the, well, the great moment of that was one of our group uh, did kind of what we were all thinking at some level. He mentions that the, later we're going to have a dead dog, and the guy, uh, the guy's like, oh, no, no, the babies is fine, but no dog. That's, no that, that's, that's unacceptable at every level. <laughs> Oh, man, it's so funny. But anyway, I loved how he addressed what potentially could be a controversy. I guess his basic approach is if you're paying for an RIP tour, uh, you're you're aware of what you're about to get. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. But if somebody did have a problem with dead babies, they were probably going to have a problem with the way he addressed it, too. <laughs> Hey, that's that's fairly that's fairly yeah, accurate. But fairly our group, accurate. our group was fine. Our group was cracking up at the whole thing. I'll tell you. Uh, absolutely, because I do. And typically, I do have a problem with dead babies, uh, but not in the context of Halloween Horror Nights. So that's that. Well, that's reality based smells. Both of our experiences. Well, hey, uh, hey, hey! Before we leave reality, talking, yeah, like, well, before before we leave reality based smells, we really should talk about the most important and oh, the biggest yeah. reality based smell of the night of the entire trip, which was our first um, our first a- a- attempt to try the uh, the the cuisine at uh, Big Fire Grill uh, in CityWalk. And we, we were really looking forward to that coming in because truthfully, that's our kind of food, you know, stra- fairly straightforward, um, uh, kind of American grill uh, food, that sort of thing, steak, uh, some, you know, maybe some seafood and and all of that. So we were very excited. We'd seen a little bit of mixed reviews, but by and large, good reviews um, for it. So I wasn't really sure, but we went in, I had a filet, you had barbecue shrimp. And I mean, there's no other way to say it. It was amazing. Unreal. Amazing. I mean, my my steak, you know, one of their big selling points is they use various woods to get the good smell of the wood as they cook the um, as they cook the meal, as as Kenny Kenny would say, it, it's the wood that makes it good. And <laughs> and 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 it and it was because I took a bite of that steak and I mean I felt the 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 wood flavor just i mean it just just exploded into my mouth i just i loved it i loved it and as you know i eat a lot of beef i eat a lot of steak probably more than i should and so i have a really uh sort of a strong feeling about this when i get you know bad versus good steaks and this was great it was really great i truly cannot wait to eat there again well, there was an there was a taste bud explosion taking place at the Big Fire Grill. You gave me a bite of your steak, and I just I, I could it, it was unreal. But the barbecue shrimp was amazing too. Uh, so, you know, it's we've said we're setting ourselves up for a great fall because I don't think that the, our subsequent meal can be near as good as that one was. Uh, it's kind of the fishbone syndrome uh, that we've experienced a little bit. But whew, man, I can't wait to give it a shot. That was amazing. Yeah. So anyway, we had to at least give a shout out to the Big Fire Grill. Well, and while we're doing this, why don't we also ate at the uh, Confisco, right, at um, Islands of Adventure. Confisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Port of Entry. And it was great, too. That that restaurant does not get near enough credit for being a really, really solid place to eat. You know, it's one of those restaurants that it seems like no matter how crowded other places are, it feels like you can always go in there and get a seat relatively quickly. I, I don't think we've ever gone in there when we haven't walked right in and sat down. Um, I, I'm sure at certain times it, it gets busy as well, but I, I do think it's an underutilized restaurant, um, both because it's it's a nice you know, cool place, cool meaning literally you go in, get out of the heat, has good air going, air conditioning and things. And then the food is excellent. Food is very good. I, very good. I, I think it is, I think it is underappreciated for sure. So you know, they pretty- had just changed the menu there as well. Cause they were like, well, what do you That's think? Right. You know, That's right. like they were our new menu items here. And we're like, well, we don't really know. Cause we yeah. don't. Yeah. They were very excited about uh, finding yeah. out how the new menu menu was working. Um, but it was, it was great. So we, we did really, we were, we had a really solid trip on the food front uh, this time. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Well, okay. Let's do it, man. Let's move into uh, what we're really here to talk about, and that is the mazes and the scare zones of Halloween Horror Nights 29. 
first, let's just do this, man. Let's just talk about the event overall. We've been to 17 in a row. We've experienced a lot of Halloween Horror Nights. Here's number 29. You and I, the last time we recorded, we talked about how it seems like every year now, as we are building up anticipation about going to the next Halloween Horror Nights, that our anticipation continues to increase every year somehow. We become more and more and more and more excited every year about going to the event. That was true for this year. We were thinking this could be the best year of all time, just based on what we saw, um, the houses were going to be in the scare zones and whatnot. Did it live up to that kind of hype? Was the event overall as good as you thought it was going to be? I have to say it did. Uh, I have to say it did. Can I say with certainty that it is the number one event of all time? I'm not sure I can do that. But I can tell you for sure I think it's in the top three. Um, I could I could sit down and really think about it and really parse things out to, to, to get through all of those. But I, I for sure, without hesitation, can say top three, and it has a claim on the best event ever. Um, and I don't believe there's any argument that it is the best top to bottom houses ever. Um, that that's that will be my position on this anyway. Um, we we talked about this some. Is is I think there, you know, the top house. My top house is a all-time good house, but it's not number one or number two for me, but it's all-time good. Um, but the difference is the middle and the bottom are so good compared to the middle and the bottom of a typical year. That's what makes the difference. So you think, okay, well, isn't that what it's all about? If they're the best houses top to bottom, isn't that the best? Well, as people who listen to, to to us know there's a lot more to it than that. Um, that's that's not the end all be all of everything. Um, I can tell you for sure my top three uh, is HHN 13, and I know for a fact those houses there were a number less houses, and I know top to bottom they couldn't even come close to standing up to these. But there's other factors involved as to why I love that year. So anyway, that's that's where I that's where I come down on it. I think it lived up to expectations. I think it lived up to the hype. It was an amazingly great year. The quality of the events year after year really do continue to increase so much so that it becomes hard to play the comparison game between events even six, seven, eight years ago. It's kind of like when you and I talk about tennis. We both love tennis. I played tennis competitively for many years. And we begin asking questions like, well, what about Roger Federer and Jimmy Connors? Who's the better player? What's the better era? It becomes hard to talk about that because it truly is a different situation. The way that we are seeing houses formed and the detail putting in and the, the, the way the IPs have become a huge part of the event and the way that they in some ways are recreating movies inside the mazes. Now, the original Halloween uh, maze and HHN24 kind of started that trend a little bit. All of these things are just different than how they did things back at 13 and 14 and 15. So how can you even really compare the two. It's very, very challenging to do. I agree with you. I mean, 13 is a very special year. Castle Vampire at 14 and the, the Parade of the Dead and the whole thing, that was an incredible year for me. 24 was an incredible year, but I think this one is way, way up there. And I'm 100% in agreement. The quality of the houses from top to bottom, 10 mazes, they are all great. So I can take my number 10, the, the, the house that I, I just had to have a number 10, and is probably going to be in the top five of any other year, right? No, top four even of any other year. It's that kind of quality. So yeah. let's talk about those. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's do it. And let's do it in let's do it in reverse order. Let's start at number 10 on the houses. What do you say? Okay, number 10. I've got um, Killer Clowns at number 10, which is ridiculous because I know it's a good maze. You know, they didn't, they didn't take the route of trying to make it 3D. They didn't take the route of just doing stupid clown carnival stuff like they normally do with these mazes that you and I hate. Uh, I, it, I, the clowns looked beautiful as they did last year in the scare zone. We only got to do it once. It was the first maze we did. And we hit it really quickly as we were going to the RIP tour. So I don't know if we did it justice, but because of all of those things, it's number 10 for me. Well, and that of course will be interesting because we have not talked about these. We have not talked about our lists at all. Um, but my number 10 is killer clowns. So, um, I, I, agree. I, I agree with you. I, I think that, um, it, it, we probably did not give it a fair shake, to be honest with you, but we can only go by what we did do and what based on what we did, it was my least favorite. I agree with you completely. There are plenty of years where it would have been well in the top half of the houses, um, but as we start going up this list, it's just it's just ridiculous. Number nine for me is Stranger Things, and, I, and so I'm already having to do the caveat. Right? There's, there's no way this is a number nine house. 
Uh, it was beautifully done, very large, uh, a, a lot of space devoted to it. The final couple of rooms were huge. The final monster looked absolutely incredible. If you are a diehard Stranger Things fan, if you're a super fan and you've seen season two and season three, this is probably going to be in your top four or five, maybe top three, maybe your favorite. I don't know. I, so I don't have anything bad to say about Stranger Things. It's just I liked other houses better than this. And I, the TV series is just not – I'm not a super fan of Stranger Things. So that's where I land on that. What about you? Well, my number nine is Stranger Things. Well, so, all right. So it, far, it, here we it, go. Well, there's a reason why uh, Rex and the Beast have been together all this time, folks. So anyway, it, 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 it again, the great house, the uh, – you know. Uh, the the overall feel of it was not as good as last year's, I don't believe. Um, but it came up against some much tougher competition this year. And as is always the case, whether it's American Horror Story, whether it's Walking Dead, and in this case, Stranger Things, it just loses a luster as it goes along from more and more houses. So number nine, Stranger Things for me. Okay, so let's move on to number eight. At number eight, I have Nightingale's Blood Pit. Uh, I love the historical significance of this house. We're talking about ancient Rome. We're talking about a time when there, this is true horror. You know, when you live during the time of the ancient Rome and the gladiators and all of the crazy games that took place, then you combine that with an element of evil, you don't get any more disgusting and grisly and everything else than the idea of when this time period actually took place. Uh, it was grisly. I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit. Right in front of the maze, this, the, in front of the facade, there is a woman who has three spears just pierced right through her as she is on display for, you know, whatever. She's been run through and then just stuck in the ground. This <laughs> is horrific. You know, it's just incredible the things that we've become just kind of, we don't pay much attention to. It's a really disturbing little prop out in front of the house. And the, the whole, the whole, the whole maze was like that. So, um, again, I didn't have any issues with the house other than this is where it landed for me. Well, I think my number seven, probably if we went through a, a, a few more times over the course of the season, I have a feeling. It so, would, so this is eight, right? We're at I'm, eight. I'm sorry. Eight, eight. Yeah. I just said seven. My number eight would move, would have moved up, uh, over, over time because I feel like it has more going for it than, than we got in the one time. But my number eight is Nightingales. Um, <laughs> and so. Uh, and I swear, folks, we have not we have not talked we, about this. We did not even talk about it the night of the event much, other than to just, of course, say, "Well, I sort of like that," or "I didn't like that." There's been no discussion of our our house list, so uh, pretty amazing. But I, I feel like, I, again, this is one that I feel like if we went back and did Halloween Horror Nights again this weekend, I have a feeling Nightingales would move up for me. But for the the time that we went through it uh, for our weekend. That's where it falls because from here on out, I pretty much uh, loved everything from here on. Thought Nightingales was perfectly solid house, but just I like the ones above it better. Yeah. So I think the next I, one. I, I, guarantee, I guarantee you, we are going to we are not going to agree on the next one. So we're going to. Yeah. Break so I, I know. So because I think the next one for me, you you liked the next one much better. Uh, so the, our, from seven on, we're probably going to have uh, quite diversity here, but that's pretty amazing that our final three were exactly the same. Pretty wild. So number seven for me is us. And here's what I loved about the maze. Uh, it's one of the creepiest mazes I've been in. You and I had a phone conversation not too long ago where we talked about the distinction between creepy and scary. For you, those things are maybe a little bit more linked than they are necessarily for me. Having watched a ton of horror movies in my day, I can I can list some horror movies that are incredibly creepy that weren't necessarily scary in that sense. Um, this is th this is the epitome of that idea concept in a maze. You had fairly expansive rooms with folks standing in the rooms holding a pair of scissors looking at you in just the most disconcerting way that, that you could really feel inside. And as you were walking through it, you weren't so much worried about what's going to jump out at me as much as you were, why is that person looking at me and what's going on here in this room and what's this all about? So I really, really wish Rex that I had seen the film. This is just such a disservice to the maze. Next year, I, we, I, we have to do better making sure we watch whatever the IPs are. 
because I think it would have even added to the creepiness factor if we kind of knew the story progression had seen some of those elements and those visuals in the movie as we were going through the maze itself. I loved Us, super creepy. I have nothing good to say about it, but it lands at number seven for me. Well, my my number seven, uh, my number seven is Us. You have got to be kidding. I thought this, I thought us would be like five for you. And to be honest with you, here's the funny thing. I had written these down and then I had made an adjustment and I forgot about the adjustment. I just glanced down at my sheet. So when I thought we were going to be off, it was when I thought I had a different one at number seven, but I adjusted it and put us at number seven. So oh my gosh. in any event, I agree completely with what you said. I, I did think it was very creepy. I would say a top three maze almost any other year except this year. Um, it, it was really effective. I thought I enjoyed it a ton. And I I'm, I would have loved – most all of these this will be true for. But I would love to go through it again, especially after seeing the movie. Just unacceptable that we didn't see the movie. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Number six. Uh this, this is where it really began to get even harder for me to begin to navigate the rest of these mazes and what I thought. Number six, I, okay, I thought number six was going to be way higher on my list, uh, but, it, but it did land at six. And, and I have to say I'm fairly confident on this one because we did go through it twice. My number six is Graveyard Games. I love it. The concept of it behind it, I think, is fantastic. I love classic old school horror tropes, and you can't get any more tropey than this, which is a cemetery that evil spirits are coming to wreak havoc on the living because they're ticked off that the living are disrespecting the dead. That's ultimate horror movie stuff, and I was super excited about it. It worked in so many ways. There were some very, very effective scenes where you see uh, some nice effects that are being used, candles and whatnot, and like endless hallways and these kinds of things. This is where the dead baby scene is at. Um, there's like this mother spirit that's kind of keeping watch over everything. The But my biggest complaint about it, and now I'm actually talking about complaints for a house that I think is just unbelievably excellent. Because I didn't, we didn't talk about complaints in any of our bottom, you know, the, the last ones. But I, there just seemed to be uh, enough emptiness, uh, or, or maybe not dead space is the right thing to say, but I felt like the progression was not what I was looking for in the house. I thought that there would be a stronger sense of everything coming together and, and being pulled together, especially at the end. Uh, and it just didn't quite happen for me, which was a little bit disappointing. Having said that, it's, it's an incredible maze, and we went through it twice because we really thought we would I, – I, at least I did. I thought I would like it more than I did. We experienced it twice to make sure, and I felt the same way about it both times. So Graveyard Games is mine. What's yours? Well, again, you know, this – I was really – this was one I really thought would be higher for me as well. I, I thought um, that a, l- a lot of people are putting this very, very high. Um, and honestly, a lot of what they're talking about, I just didn't see in the, in our, in our two times through graveyard games <laughs> that I have at number two. Something is people are never going to believe us. On no, this never. <laughs> but that, that is, that is what I, the only thing I guess we have going for us is we did go through them together each time, the same time. So we're seeing the same, you know, same kind of, That's true. of, of true, but in any event, yes, a lot of people talking about some great events, the great uh, dark uh, hallway, this and that, whatever. I, I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel it the way I expected to. And I was, um, I was really, really surprised. So, um, let me do that. So I tell you what, let me try to break the chain by, okay, I, will, yeah. I will announce first and see if we can break this. My number five was one that I was, again, at this point, everything we were looking forward to. So that's not going to be any big surprise. And, uh, this is one that would never have been this high except for a double action. We went and saw it again and it, it changed substantially. My number five is depths of fear. Um, and I found, uh, found depths of fear first time through to be mediocre and would have been much lower. We went and did it again and I thought it worked. I thought the underwater worked. I even liked the countdown going on. Uh, the dead dog didn't uh, bother me at all. Um, and so overall I thought the set work and everything of depths of fear really came together to make you feel like you were in a different environment. And that was my number five. 
My number five is Depths of Fear. <laughs> so um, this would have been considerably lower on my list had we not gone through it the second time. When we did go through it the second time, uh, it jumped. I thought it was awesome. Um, I, I enjoy films that are underwater-based films anyway, uh, whether that be the, uh, the Abyss or Deep Star Six or films like this. Uh, there's something unbelievably creepy because what are you going to do? I mean, there's, it's kind of like the aliens in space. No one's going to hear you scream and all that kind of stuff. Same thing with the depths of the ocean. And I thought the effects were really cool. You know, you've got the people behind the, what looks like portholes or whatever, and they're, they're, they're screaming and there's terror and these massive creatures are coming out. And there's that kind of pending sense of doom, you know, cause the countdown, you remember the yeah. countdown? Yeah. I said, I enjoyed the countdown. Yeah. I thought yeah, the countdown yeah. worked. Like and, and just all of this craziness going on that led to that kind of sense of rush, you know, that you get when you're in the maze. This was a tent house, which is, you know, there are not always that great, but man, they just did this one. Awesome. I loved, love depths of fear. Love, love pulling an airboat too. Well, I've been, yeah, I'm glad to hear it. So, you know, okay. Give me number four, baby. Number four, number four. If you will recall, and I don't know if you will, but it, this was the house I had at my number one hype spot. And it unfortunately didn't live up to that. Still a great house, but not as good. My number four is Yeti. Um, I, I had Yeti at number four. Uh, I love the Love the overall winter feel. Love the cold burst as you walk into one of these winter-based houses at Halloween Horror Nights. Um, they didn't go crazy with the Yetis everywhere. A couple of the best scares, I thought, with the Yeti reaching down from the ceiling and uh, some good distraction scares where you're looking at one place and as you turn away from that, there's something else right there about to get you, um, which worked really well for me both times through. Um, and so Yeti is uh, my number four. Okay, yeah. So finally, we have a difference here. All it right. took all the way to number four. Uh, these these top four for me um, would have been definite number ones at any other event. They're just they're just so good. My number four is House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I love this movie so much. Uh, Sid Haig just passed away today, and uh, he played Captain Spaulding in House of a Thousand Corpses. Absolute legend uh, in the film industry and in the horror business. And, um, the movie is, is very, very good. We've talked a lot about this leading up to the event, whether or not Rob Zombie's a good director and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's a, it's a cult classic. It's a great film and they basically just recreated it. I mean, you've got grandpa yelling showtime and you have the graphics and you have those classic scenes, you have baby saying these things. You even have some of the audio. I'm the one that brings the Christmas candy. I mean, all of that stuff was there. I absolutely love this should have been my number one. I mean, that it's hard to believe this is number four on the list for me. Uh, but it is because the other three just topped it out a little bit in my book. So number four is House of a Thousand Corpses for me. Well, I can't uh, obviously can't argue with that because it's still on my list somewhere coming up, but it is not number three. My number three is Ghostbusters. Um, I I thought it was great, well done. Uh, I loved the the set work. I loved the uh, items they had from from the movie with Slimer and the other things. Just you know, just thought it was great. No real scares. Not that kind of a house, uh, but. Uh, one that I came out of with a huge grin on my face thinking this was just an amazingly awesome experience um, and was really thrilled that they finally did a Ghostbusters house and uh, had it at number three for me. Ghostbusters is number three for me too. It's, it's just perfect. It, it truly is a recreation of the film. If you love the movie Ghostbusters, there's no way not to like this house because you're walking through this, the, the film. It starts at the New York Public Library. You you have the uh, asymmetrical book stacking. You know, no humans would stack books this way. And you see the ghost in the library. Then you're moving into the Ghostbusters headquarters at the firehouse. What's her name yells, we got one and hits the alarm. You see the proton packs. You see Slimer. You see Gozer, which is perfect. The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Uh, you've got, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Dana. Dana is, you know, sitting there with the uh, key master or whatever. It's just absolutely perfect. Uh, nothing but great things to say about Ghostbusters. And yet it's number three on that list. It's really amazing. This is where it's amazing. I agree. Top three or four, number one, almost any other year for sure. No doubt. Okay, so you've got uh, number two. I think I know what it is, but go ahead. Yep, I think you would. Uh, probably. I am at House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is my number two. 
I, uh, even though, you know, you probably may like the movie more than me, although maybe not. We talked about that. We both, we have a little different viewpoint on, on it in some ways. Great movie, but I, I love the feel. I love the opening. I love the idea of sort of the old, uh, deserted roadside attraction and, and the concept of that. And I thought they did a great job of that. And then they transitioned into Dr. Satan. Well, I, I just had a blast in it and thought, it was awesome. So I, I have nothing but positive things to say about it. I thought, I even thought the people playing Captain Spaulding did an amazing job in the opening. Um, great house, great house. So my number two is Yeti. Um, a lot for the same reasons that you've already mentioned. Um, you and I have talked about before, we love winter based houses where there's snow and where there's cold. So when you walked in uh, to the Yeti maze, which was based up in Canada, it was cold and you really felt like you were there. It was a great, great atmospheric house in that way. And then the Yeti was just incredibly well done. There was different versions of him. Seemed like there were some different colors, a white one and a little bit more of a dark skinned one. Uh, it was gruesome. Uh, he was, you know, ripping into people at some points. Other times he was just kind of lurking and he was there. Uh, the sets look great, very convincing. Um, I just loved it, man. I, this is the one I thought would be my number one. Uh, it ends up being number two, but it, it definitely delivered and I'm very, very excited for and it because it's an original house. And that's another reason that it probably snuck up there a little bit. So that's Yeti. So what that means is, is that we also have the same number one. So out of the 10, all we have is a flip from two and four. That's the that's only it. thing. Everything that's else matches. But, I, but let's not give a short shrift to number one. Uh, which is uh, uh, Universal Monsters. Um, I, I would ha- I had the, I, don't, I, I have to pull up my hype list, but I guarantee you I had this fairly low on my hype list. I don't know where, but fairly low. Um, cer- certainly nowhere near the top few. Because honestly, it's like, ah, isn't this kind of played out? Yeah, there was a great werewolf house there back based on those uh, American Werewolf in London, you know, a few years back. And monsters are great, but can you really make a house on all those? Isn't it going to feel sort of just put together and not really, not really work? Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, unbelievably awesome. Uh, the the scenes from every monster I thought worked at some level. Uh, you had very little of the hunchback, but he had the most amazing set for the hunchback. And I uh, just really, just really blown away uh, by every Every piece, every set, every monster. And I actually thought Frankenstein's monster, Dan, I thought it was scary as crap. I I mean, they came out, they were big, they were lumbering and scary. I mean, I really, really loved monsters. Thought it was great. Me too. Uh, Just the surprise hit of the event. And for me, it's not even, it's definitely number one. So I'm not having to wonder if Yeti or Monsters needs to be flip-flopped to my list. It's definitely number one. We did it twice just to make sure that we weren't crazy the first time we went through it. How could we possibly like it this much, right? But we did. Uh, I have nothing great things to say. Fam of the Opera and Hunchback were probably the two weakest actual villains, monsters, but their sets were both unbelievable. So it made up for kind of the lack of scares that might come from there. Uh, the mummy room based in Egypt was just terrifying. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely well done. And then as you say, the Frankenstein, uh, the Dracula, uh, everything was just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Transitioned well from one into the next. Um, this is just the way to do a haunted house and I have nothing, nothing but good to say about it. So there's our top 10, uh, favorite haunted houses for Halloween Horror Nights 29. Rex and I, without talking with one another, only flip-flop two of the whole list. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. And and I will say, I have heard a lot of people saying about monsters being like an all-time favorite. Um, and I, I do think it is that potentially good. Um, but again, we'd have to sit down and think, you know, we did this last year. We didn't do it this year. Maybe next year we'll have to go back and put our top 10 all-time houses together again or something like that beast. But if we do that, I can guarantee you at least monsters that will be on it from this year. So that's right. No doubt about it. Okay. Let's run through the scare zones real quick. Uh, I don't think we have to spend quite as much time on this, obviously, but uh, we have five scare zones and we'll just do the same thing going from five to one. 
so number five for me, surprisingly, is an arcade. Um, I love the concept, love the idea, the 80s, the arcades. You spent a ton of time in arcades, and I spent a good bit myself, mostly with you. At the Fort Henry Mall in Kingsport, Tennessee, we were in the Gold Mine. Remember, that was the name of the arcade sure. in the mall. And so it had that 80s feel, the neon you know, uh, some characters there, but for most part, it seemed to me to be just something you basically pass through as you enter the park and get on into the event. So that's number five for me. What about you? Well, we have a huge difference right off the bat here because I thought that, uh, that was great. So that's certainly not my, my, my lowest is Zombieland. Um, I, I thought Zombieland was, uh, was really, really sort of you, uh, sort of a very generic, uh, and not really that interesting of a scare zone. And, did, did not enjoy it much at all. A couple of the the zombie characters did a good job, as the the Universal uh, characters always do. But overall, just nothing nothing new to say, nothing exciting. Uh, I, I think a clear clear five on the scare zone for uh, Zombieland. Yeah, so number four is Zombieland for me for all oh. the exact same reasons. So yep. uh, didn't didn't. Unfortunately, and that's the huge, that's the best space. That's the best uh, real estate, so to speak, in the park for a scare zone. It's just huge there at um, New York, right? Is that, is that what that is? New York? Yeah. yeah. And um, so it just, yeah, it just, just wasn't anything to it. Just, it just really was not good. What's your four? Um, unlike a lot of the others, I had not really thought about the scare zones as closely as I had the houses. So I got to think for just a moment how I how I feel about that. Um, why don't you tell me your four here while I'm considering this? Because I, I just hadn't uh, hadn't thought about it in a while. I just did. My four is Zombieland. What oh, was your oh, five? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, then I guess that being the case on my, my four – the, you know, I thought the other four were all pretty good, to be honest. I thought they were. I thought they were pretty good. I guess I would put as much as I thought it was really cool, and I did like it because of the others. I would put Vikings Undead as my number four, um, okay. but, uh, because uh, you know I thought they did a good job, and I like again that area. I like the Central Park area, uh, and I think that's a cool place. Uh, cool place for it, but again. Um, nothing nothing that exciting so i put it as my four so vikings is my three so we keep just kind of bumping uh one here uh yeah yeah i, so, I, I liked it i love central park and i think it's a great yeah, place for those central park is great yeah so three is vikings what's your three my three is an arcade an arcade is three um again i liked it a lot better and i thought the top three scare zones here were all very good uh, the bottom two are both mediocre um uh, at best but the top three were good i liked an arcade i thought it was a great way to enter the event i loved the uh the the female characters on the stilts uh, i thought they were great and there's some just some great great color um and i'm always a big uh big believer in that whole that sort of sky smoke look that they put over the top of it i think that's awesome yeah that was a neat effect so are you tapping a pencil or something no you're getting some tapping we're getting a and i don't know maybe maybe that's we're getting be attacked by a little bit of the scare zone action here could be maybe they're not maybe it was maybe it was zombie land double tap they're double tapping here but Number two for me is Vanity Ball. Um, I liked it a lot better than I thought. When I first saw the original images, when we saw some things on Twitter, I was like, man, this is not going to be good at all. Uh, It just did not look good to me. But then when we actually got there and experienced the scare zone, it was very, very effective. Uh, The characters really did a great job uh, of hyping it up and staying in character and, you know, the runway and the whole deal. Of course, you and I have flashbacks to Hallow Scream. What was that? Uh, what was that year? Was that two thousand? Whatever, two thousand seven or eight? Uh, I don't know. But was it that long ago? I think it's two thousand ten, maybe. For Hollow Scream? Yeah. For uh, House of Vain? Yeah, two thousand ten. I'm pretty sure. Really? That seems too late to me. Yeah, well, whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. But anyway, I, Vanity Ball. I really liked it. That's number two for me. Well, uh, it's number two for me as well. I, I did think they did an amazing job of staying in character, and they were really good at interacting with the guests and walking around both on the stage and off. Great job. I, I enjoyed Vanity Ball. I was hoping to enjoy it, and so it, it actually met my expectations, but I was did have some trepidation before we saw it, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. So for whatever it's worth, House of Vain was 2009. 
so close. 2010 was the My X. My X. The the rock band thing. Yeah. Okay. And then number one for me, obviously, then was Rob Zombie's Scare Zone Hellbelly Deluxe, which was just awesome to sit there and listen to Rob Zombie music. I mean, that was really, uh, for me, the, the, the coolest part. There was just a lot of energy in there, a lot of different aspects of some traditional scares. Then you've got the living dead girl who was just kind of uh, sauntering around a little bit. Then you got his hot rod car that you could sit in. And it was just a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of energy in that scare zone. And I thought it was the best. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I thought it was great. I always enjoy uh, when they have sort of the dancing girls and the other things like that. And I thought they did a great job. I did like the uh, uh, the zombie uh, girl, the dead, uh, whatever she was. So I thought she did a, a great job. And there were two or three others that walked around that, that were that were great as well. So excellent all the way around. No, clear number one. Clear number one for us. No doubt about it. Well, you know, Halloween Horror Nights 29. Let's just go ahead and mention briefly the... Um, Academy of Villains show, which we did get a chance to watch. Here's what I loved about the show. Okay. I, 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 at first I was, I was concerned because it didn't seem to gel very well the first few minutes. And I was like, man, this is kind of just sporadic and they're not using the music effectively. And I, I didn't think it was all going to be good. And then once they began to incorporate uh, kind of the Jekyll and Hyde thing where they started bringing out the, what were basically circus stars doing all these freaky things. Uh, then it, it really captured the audience's attention. And I think it was very, very well done with the dancing coinciding with some of those things. But what I loved about it is that it refrained from doing too much stuff with the audience. That's when I think these shows really go downhill. And, and what's interesting is I just saw, it may have been Seth, somebody tweet about this, that the show, I guess, on the on the West Coast is heavily involved with the audience and they didn't think it was as good. I feel the exact same way about that. So did you notice that at, at this particular performance that the, it, there wasn't a whole lot of audience participation, which I love. I think it makes for a stronger show. Yeah, I, I didn't pay attention to it, but I, I do agree with that concept. I enjoyed the show as well. The thing that I guess I am most surprised by – I anyway, I think both of us, but I especially have been a defender of the Academy of Villains shows for sure, because there's a lot of people out there that don't seem to like them at all. And I don't really understand that. I think they're fun. I think they're good shows. Um, And so I, I, I think they're neat. But I also don't understand this year, there seem to be an amazing amount of people that think it's like the greatest thing ever. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but I mean, there are people talking about going to it three, four times a night, like every show for the entire Halloween Horror Night night, and that that's like their whole HHN. I mean, they they go every show, they love it or whatever. And I love dancing. I love the uh, the thing. I love the the show they have. I love you know the the, the women. I love everything about the shows. But I, I it's amazing to me how some people are really over the top about it this year to the point of kind of scratching my head a little is okay. It's, it's a cool show. It's a great show. We certainly think it's better than Bill and Ted ever were. And there's certainly not many people that would think that. Um, but I don't get it. I don't get the crazy love for it like that. Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? Now that, that's kind of gone from one extreme to the other in some ways. Cause yeah, you and I have been defending it since we first saw it when it was over there across from Mel's Diane and, and, um, which that was my favorite performance. I agree. I still, I still think that was my favorite as well. So first year we saw it, that was an incredible performance. So yeah, rexandthebeast.com is at Halloween Horror Nights 29. And we have nothing uh, but good things to say. We just really, really loved it and cannot already, right? Wait for next year to experience it again. Uh, we'll also have uh, our video that's uh, posted and by the time you hear this, probably available online. You can check it out there and as well as some videos and, um, I guess that's it, man. Anything else to say? No, I think that pretty much covers it on that. We're going to be coming to you with uh, some other things, more uh, uh, events, more actions, more new th- cool things at the website. So uh, kind of keep an eye on RexTheBeast.com. Keep an eye on the videos at uh, at YouTube, and um, we will uh, be talking to you soon. All right. That's the way it goes. This is The Beast saying, be strong and courageous. RexTheBeast.com. Join the journey. <laughs>